I found out last week I'd be preaching again today. Uh, I knew we were going through Echo's core values, so I was looking forward to it. A couple of weeks ago, Steve preached about, uh, he preached about creativity, which is one of our core values, and I love creativity so much I practically married it. Um, and then last week, he talked about connectivity, um, which I'm all about relationships, so that's fantastic. This is exciting. And so what am I talking about today? I'm talking about the third C because it has to be alliterative for it to be Christian. And that is commission. And I don't really know why I'm the one up here talking about this this morning. Really, if, if evangelism was like a, uh, <clears throat> a pyramid scheme, the way that we do kind of look at it sometimes, I'd be the guy with like stacks and stacks of unsold salvation in his garage. Um, last time I preached, I talked about menstrual bleeding, and that was my choice. And uh, honestly, in a way, menstruation comes more naturally to me than the Great Commission. But maybe that is why I'm here today. This week has been a great opportunity for me to meditate on ways in which I can grow and mature and put my faith to practical use for the advancement of God's kingdom. I'm not up here unloading my wisdom on you, obviously, uh, but I do want to invite you to work through this with me. Um, so let's pray. Lord, we are unworthy, but you make us worthy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the work that you have done, that you invite us to continue doing. I pray that you would be here, that, uh, that you would impact our hearts. Break us if you need to, soften us where you can. But be glorified. Amen. Um, so let's talk about Jesus. You know the guy? He's the son of God, son of man, performed some miracles, not the least of which uh, being that he made it okay for us to eat bacon-wrapped scallops, unless you're the Chartsuses or the uh, G's. Um, he also died to free us from our sins and reunite us with God. And that's the part that we're going to look at today. Uh, Matthew 28 starts just days after Christ's crucifixion, in the middle of probably the darkest period for those who had placed their hope in him as Messiah. The Jews were living under Roman rule and scattered among the nations. They had centuries of prophecies about a coming savior and more recent interpretations that had shoehorned these prophecies. Uh, into their idea of a fix for their then current predicament, to reunite the nation of Israel and return it to its former glory, was the idea. And here was this man who seemed to fit the bill, and he, he wasn't really the first to come along and, and say that he was this Messiah that had been prophesied. There had been a lot who had come and obviously <laughs> proven to be false and, and failed but he really did seem to be like he, he performed these miracles. Um, he, you know, kind of, if you go down the list of the things that were prophesied about 
about the Messiah, Jesus fit all of that. And they just watched him die. His disciples may have felt duped or betrayed, or that God was simply not powerful enough to rescue them. That a relatively small view of what they thought God was doing. And so when he didn't do what they thought, God seemed smaller to them. And that is hopelessness. Then some cool stuff happened. Um, Elizabeth, will you read Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6, please? Oh, 1 through 6. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he had said. Come and see the place where he lay. Thank you. So giving away the ending a bit, the Great Commission is to go and make disciples of Christ, also aka as Christians. Um, So if that's what we're talking about, then we should talk about what it means to be a Christian. That's part of why we're starting here, before the bit where Jesus actually gives us the commission. It shows us something important to remember when we think about what it means to be a Christian, that God is awesome. Uh, Even when we think that Christianity just means acting like we have it together, Really, God is awesome. Um, When we think that Christianity means not drinking too much or having an emotional high singing light the fire around a campfire or that it means saying, I'm just trying to be intentional with her, you know? When all of those things are our, our idea of what it means to be a Christian, God is awesome. And it doesn't seem to, to fit, but, uh, but it's true. In, in the mundaneness of our lives, God is awesome. So if I had made slides, the first one would say, Christianity is a life in service to an awesome God. Right when Mary and the other Mary are at their lowest, they see God do something amazing to confirm the other, even more amazing thing that they had just missed. An angel whose very arrival shook the earth came and opened the tomb. And look at this. His appearance was like lightning. What does that even mean? Like It, it means that words fail. Um, the Marys probably couldn't adequately describe the awesomeness of the angel's appearance because there's nothing on earth to which it can be compared. And the closest they could get was like lightning. And he was just the messenger of the God they probably felt had failed them. Uh, Elizabeth, will you read 8 through 10? So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped 
clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Hmm. Afraid, yet filled with joy, and running to tell others what's happened. That's what it should look like to be an observant follower of Christ. And I do wonder why that's not me, like, all the time, or barely any of the time. Twice it sounds obvious and appropriate that Mary, that the Marys clasped his feet and worshipped him. He's Jesus. But remember that this is the moment for them that Jesus became who we now understand him to be. While so many of God's people were looking for a Messiah who would conquer Rome, Jesus just proved that he had conquered death. That's the awesome God we serve. Now here's where I get really excited. Jesus says, go and tell my brothers. I just wish I could have heard his voice and seen his face at that moment. What do you think you would have heard? My guess is delight and relief. This awesome God humbled himself and took on human form, lived a hard, humble life, was persecuted, suffered, and died a torturous death from which the word excruciating is derived. Also that he could call you his sister or brother. When in his last moments before death, he said, it is finished, the work toward this goal is what the it was. This is the close familial relationship that God wants with us. So Christianity is a life in service to an awesome God. Also, amazingly, slide two. Christianity is a life in relationship with an awesome God. These two truths are what we're supposed to be sharing with everyone around us. We have people in our church who have put forth the effort to learn another language so that they could share these truths with people halfway around the world. And while they're here, we have people who volunteer in our nursery who are learning basic sign language so that in a small way they can help their son know that he is invited into these truths as well. Um, Will you read, uh, jump up to verses 16 through 20, please, Elizabeth? Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you. So here it is, our first order from the risen Christ. And it smacks of God's first commandment to Adam and Eve. Genesis 1.28 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God made Adam and Eve in his image, and he ordered them to make more people in his image. Then they sinned, and that image was tarnished and obscured. 
Jesus is God who became man so that we could become his righteousness and be remade in his image. He made a way to return us to God. And his first commandment was for us to be fruitful and increase in number. And that's why I feel like a hypocrite up here. Like, God gives us, like, the very first commandment, be fruitful and increase in number, and I am like, yes, I will, I will try my very best as often as I possibly can. But Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. And I've got a headache. I just ate Indian food. Can we just work, like, witness tomorrow, please? But when Christ tells us to take his gospel to all people, it tells us another thing about what it means to be a Christian. Christianity is a life in service to an awesome God, and Christianity is a life in relationship with an awesome God. And finally, Christianity is a life in relationship with and in service to broken people. And we're all those broken people. Once again, we see Jesus being worshipped by his followers, which was far from common. But this time, we learn that some still doubted. Of course, it looks silly in the text. You knew Jesus, heard his wisdom, saw him perform countless miracles, watched him suffer and die, and now here he is again, walking and talking and being alive, and you have your doubts. But to be fair, Jesus had just altered reality. That takes some adjustment. And if I'm being honest, if I didn't see myself in those doubters, I think my day-to-day -day life would look a lot different. Note that Christ once again draws attention to his power when he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. It's like he's saying, I'm still your bro, but I'm kind of a big deal, so listen up. And it's to tell us this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That is so beautiful and powerful and it is surprisingly easy to complicate. I mean, what does it really look like to obey this commandment? I, that's kind of supposed to be why I'm standing up here talking to you, but it's one of Echo's core values, so we should have a quick answer. But there are a few ways you can take this. You might focus in on the words go and all nations and come to the conclusion that Christ is commanding us to go preach the gospel in some country with a name you only ever hear on Jeopardy. Or you might say, Evan, you silly. Go isn't that specific. It simply means that in your daily life, you should be sharing the gospel with the people you encounter. Or you might skip right on over to the part about baptism. Uh, we at ECHO believe in baptism, and we believe you must make the decision for yourself when you want to be baptized. With that said, as a church, we're currently averaging like one baptism every four years, roundabout. Um, we don't have a special baptism Sunday or anything like that. Uh, but if God is putting it on your heart that you should be baptized, you should just come talk to an elder. Um, 
they'd be really excited to help just iron out the details, I think. Is that right, Larry? All right, good. Another option is to focus in on the words, make disciples, recognizing that the word make is really a continuing process rather than a simple switch from heathen to disciple. This is where I tend to land most of the time. It's like what's comfortable for me um, because I'm a relationships guy. Um, and it means that we stay in each other's lives. And uh, as iron sh sharpens iron, we make each other better disciples of Christ. Um, in truth, these are all great. And they're all ways in which we at Echo are striving to obey Christ's command. A couple weeks ago, we were visited by Sean and Melissa Wooski. Uh, they met here at Echo, got married, and God sent them out as missionaries to Boston, where Echo as a church and several uh, people as individuals here have been helping to support them fiscally and prayerfully. They heard go, and they obeyed to the glory of the kingdom of God. Echo has helped to send out and continues to support several other missionary families around the world. Like I said, we're happy to perform baptisms for those of you who are ready, but if Steve dunks you and you haven't thought about why or talked about why, then all you're really doing is taking a quick bath with a strange man. Um, which is maybe why we haven't had so many baptisms. Um, it feels like there's a tension between the ideas that we should be sharing the gospel with the people we encounter and that we should be discipling one another, as if these are two different things. Um, if you feel that tension, then you are like me, but we should live in that tension. The truth is they really do go hand in hand. I'm more comfortable with relationships and with trying to make a, a sales pitch to a stranger about Jesus. Um, I just, that seems inappropriate to me. It doesn't seem real. I feel like I have to switch into some mode, and that doesn't feel like Christianity to me. But while I might never hand out tracts, I have a friend who came to know Christ nearly 50 years ago when somebody gave her a tract on a city bus. So if I think something is stupid, but it leads to someone beginning their relationship with Christ, then praise God that his thoughts are bigger than my thoughts. So Echo, as a church, has several ways in which it seeks to honor Christ's commission. But that means very little without you. If you're here this morning, and unless you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to go ahead and say that you are. If you're here, that means you're a part of this work. Even if you don't see Echo as your home church, you are a part of this work. We have opportunities for you to help make disciples and to yourself become a better disciple. If God is calling you to go out to all nations, then we'll figure out how best we can support you. If you're in a position where you can help to support others doing this work, then we have a list of folks who could use that help. This Wednesday, the men will be meeting at Larry and Kristen Buddy's um, on Grigg Avenue, not too far from here. Um, 
or we're starting a study on spiritual disciplines, which we desperately need. Next Wednesday and Thursday will be the women's Bible studies at the Cars and the Buddies, respectively. Um, those are opportunities. Those are opportunities to disciple one another and to become a better disciple. Kendra has been doing a lot to help us connect more with the community around us. Um, the next community outreach opportunity, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, we're going to have a, a trunk or treat on, uh, on Halloween. I think the location just changed, or we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll let you guys know. Um, uh, she's also the person to talk to if you want to invest in our kids in the children's ministry. Anyway, so, okay, so here's what's nice. It's a quarter to noon, and we're almost done. Uh, the sermon has been a bit of a mess. Um, I don't really have a pretty bow to tie it up with, but Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit to work on our hearts despite our shortcomings and scatterbrain sermons that don't seem to really lead anywhere. So in a little bit, um, I'd like for us all to take some time to talk with God and ask him how he wants us to fulfill his commission. Maybe you're a new Christian or you're new to Echo and you don't think there's a place for you in this work, but I promise you there is. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and the mundaneness of life has caused you to forget or take for granted what an awesome God we love and serve. We still live in a world where we are surrounded by people who are experiencing hopelessness. And Christ came to change that. We are meant to be part of that change. As we take communion together, let's have that in mind. Um, you know, it's funny how creativity and connectivity and commission, oh, crap, it's another C, like, comes together in communion. <laughs> um, like, I, I just, this is, this is an aside, but, but when Steve was talking about creativity a couple weeks ago, and then we, we took communion, I thought, like, what's interesting about communion is that bread and wine both go through human processes. Um, God used something that, that people made. You know, they, they altered the tools that he gave us. He used something that people made, and then he elevated it to something amazing, um, to something that, that we observe and celebrate thousands of years later. Um, so it makes sense. If, if creativity is a weird word for you when we're talking, when you look at our Echo's core values, like, it is weird. But God uses it, and that's really cool. Um, you know, and, and just like looking at connectivity, 
we can't really have commission without being connected. Um, anyway, that was also aimless thought. But let's, let's think about the, the uh, Christ's suffering and death that we're partaking in, and also his resurrection and life that we're sharing in. Um, symbolically when we take communion. Um, and let's just listen to him tell us how we should be responding today. I'll pray for us. Lord, we sang a song about how Jesus is calling and all of these questions about coming to the end of your rope, or whatever the lyric was, but being at that point where we know that we need you. And I think once we get comfortable with you, sometimes we don't remember how much we need you and how much the people around us need you. At least I don't. I forget that all the time. But thank you. Thank you that you have come, that you have rescued us, that you have made a way for us to be seen as righteous like you, for us to be brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. You're a good God, and we love you, and be glorified once again. Just be glorified. Amen.